Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. No, I, I wish I knew. Cyberbullying is a huge problem in America. You need to tell somebody. Over 3.2 million students are victimized in bullying each year. Approximately 160,000 teens skip school every day because of bullying. Are you the 160,000 that skip every day? Hey, it's not snowing anymore. I don't have to sign up for text messages. But Monco text messages aren't just for snow. What else are they for, then? In case of any emergency or weather-related closing. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm in the loop all the time. All you have to do is sign up. Where at? At mc3.edu slash txt, and it's very simple to sign up. Text messaging from Monco isn't just for snow. mc3.edu slash txt. I don't think anyone knows really how to access Monco Radio. Is it, like, what's the station? I don't know. I'm sorry. Just putting that out there. You don't know how to access Monco Radio? Of course you do. You're listening to Monco Radio, where music and mind And welcome to this special edition of Meet the Press Slam on Monco Radio. I am your host, Danny Kugler, and my guest today is someone who is near and dear to my heart, um, honestly. And he's a big wig in the internet wrestling community. He's always posting great things on Facebook and Twitter, um... And he's a wrestling connoisseur like that, Chris. <laughs> I called your friend Dylan Hales an independent wrestling connoisseur, which he is. Um, and so I thought uh, calling you a wrestling connoisseur would be great. Um, and historian. And he has a huge collection of wrestling magazines, newsletters, and videos. He is one of the hosts of Between the Sheets podcast with David Bixenspan. And Exile on Bad Street podcast as well on the Between the Sheets feed where he and various guests talk about, about a variety of topics in the wrestling world. He is also the moderator of Place to Be Nation's post-pay-per-view shows with Devin Hales. He works at the grocery store, which you can hear all the shenanigans on the Between the Sheets Patreon page. He's an all-around good guy and a fantastic friend. He is Chris Zellner. Chris, how you doing today? Yeah, 
Yeah, and all that stuff is true too, which is, which is, which when you build an introduction, you you like Joe Lanza is the uh, uh, master of this, where he's like a reasoned and well explained man, a pro- your problematic fave. <laughs> So, thank you for jo- thank you for joining me live on Monco Radio. We are live today. It's excellent. Yes, and we we always. We always do this. We've been talking about this for about like two years now, like ever since you were on getting the ring. And join me live too, which is really, which is really a treat because Chris is a tr- is a true wrestling historian and he knows the world of wrestling better than anyone else, in my opinion. Maybe Cubs fan. Yeah, you don't know everything. No one knows everything, but you know what you know. So my... So my first question for you is a doozy of a question. Um, so what are some of the broader things you have learned over the past four years doing Between the Sheets? Well, um, you know, one thing is when you do all the research into some of these newsletters, um, especially the non-observable newsletters, like Torch and uh, Mount Washington, Beverly, when he, when he had that going on, um, that stuff that's not out there as much as observers on. Observers right. have always been around, um, whether it's the archives on the website or just people subscribing to it. And that information's been out there a lot, but the torch, the torch has been out there for a long time, too, but people just don't really talk about the torch that much, and once you delve in there... Especially in certain areas more than others, there's information that was not in the observer or never was in the observer, especially with ECW in, in the late 90s. With Jason Powell, correct? When Jason Powell got on board, yeah, and uh, you're getting this exclusive stuff, and you learn that stuff. And of course, Matt Watch would be, of course, all the great access Steve Beverly had. To guys like Jim Hurd and Jeff Dietrich, who was the boss of the company, talking to them directly, which when nobody else was. So you, you learn all kinds of stuff, um, stuff behind the scenes, uh, just stuff that happened as far as like television goes. And yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot we get into. I think that the Patreon shows that we do every month, when we focus on specifically one topic in general. Those are the shows that I really learned the most on. Right. I agree with that, too. I learned. We're focusing on one thing, and we're taking, you know, months worth of stuff and going into it. And Instead of a week. Definitely learning, yeah, definitely learning experience. Sure. 
Yes, and I, I, I feel like, I, I, as a listener to Between the Sheets, that I learn, like, this overload of information that you can't process all at once. That's why it takes multiple listens to a Between the Sheets to see, like, where, where did this come from and how did this ha- happen, you know? Yes, and with these shows, they're so multifaceted and multi-layered as well. When 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 you did John Clark, for instance, for current uh, WCAU uh, mm, um, sportscaster and um, former, he's a local guy, and I messaged him. I was like, I was like, hey, I didn't know you did wrestling. <laughs> Because he never mentions it, you know? So I was like, I was blown away. And it's understandable, but at the same time, he responded to me. And he said, I did some wrestling back in the day. I don't follow it much anymore. But, but I really appreciate the work that these guys did to bring my stuff back to light. He had a great uh, newsletter, Wrestling Flyer, which... Uh I mean, he, he would get some really exclusive interviews with uh, Watt, Fishes, Yazzie, and, and other people that, uh, yeah, he's one of these that he just had it for a very short time, and uh, he went on to do bigger and better things, and yeah, stuff like that, too. You know, there's other little niche newsletters that we've popped into in the past that, um, yeah, it, it, getting that information out there to people that wouldn't normally have that access to the information. That's always a good thing. How have you accumulated the newsletters? You use the Observer site, of course. Oh, wonderful. Uh, of, of information and, uh, that they have set up. And uh, it's been gone since uh, for some of, the, some of the stuff that we've had. Uh, of course, the uh, website in general for the observing the Thors, um, they're big helps as well for the stuff that they have up. You know, certain times, if they don't have everything up, the no. observer, observer goes... Does their website, you know, you go from like 91... 202. Yeah, to 2002, basically. Well, certain point. They're just now in 2002. Right, they just started. Yeah, because I had to, uh, we got 2002 coming up, and I had to uh, get get them off of uh, that Google Drive, which is the notes. And and then, of course, when they start putting them up aside after that, in the mid-2000s, you have them up. Torch... Torch has mainly started in like ninety. I mean, they got in the, they got a lot of them up in the old days, but like their old format started in like ninety three, and uh, they had pretty much have it up for the rest. So it, it, we're lucky that, like, like I said, that we have you know some people that 
have set stuff up for us that upload, help upload his stuff. It's easy for us to have access to. And is Bix the one responsible for wrangling up the clips? Um, well, he's the Bix, Bix you know, my co host Bix Man does, um, he does the producing. Uh, he does all the, uh, the audio stuff and everything. Um, he, he's the one that sets all the clips up, yeah. I mean, I'll find stuff. I'll find the stuff, or we'll, we'll find some stuff, and uh, he'll be the one that set it all up, yeah. I'm not a producer. No. Yeah, you're... I, 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 I need to learn that type of stuff, but um, that's not my forte. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. What's, what about doing between the sheets is throwing to you? Is it going through the newsletters, re-watching things, or doing the actual shows? Doing the actual shows, probably. Um, because, I mean, that's the culmination of everything involved. I mean, yeah, you watch stuff and yeah, you do the notes, but when you're actually um, making it come to life, that's the best part. Yeah, and... It, it comes to the light. It, it definitely comes through to the listener that you guys have a sort of camaraderie. You, Bix. When Alan's on, you guys do have a camaraderie. When, uh, when Bo is on, especially when Bo's on. Um, well, Bo, Bo James has become, you know, he's our constant guest. I mean, we try to have him on at least once a month, and uh, he's just... He, 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 a beacon. Nobody really liked him. Really, and uh, so Bo started out so young in the business, and it's been in the business for, for all these years, thirty years now. When did he and start out? Was what was that? When did he start out? He started out. I mean, he started promoting towns when he was fourteen years old. <laughs> yeah, he started promoting town. He started promoting his own towns for uh, Continental when he was fourteen years old. And Continental was Rob Fuller, right? That would have been the end of Continental. Yeah, that would have been David Woods and Robert Fuller booking, yes. And then once they went away, um, he started doing independent stuff, and then he formed his own wrestling promotion, Southern States Wrestling. And uh, he was like, uh, he was still basically a teenager then. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So, I mean, he, uh, and Southern States Wrestling is still going strong for Bo. He has his own streaming network, and you follow him on key and keys for get all the information there but yeah Bo Bo is a treasure for us and uh, treasure trove always it's always great to have him on it's it's an easy show for Bo James we know we know it's all not going to be good and we just sit back and let it roll and uh, there's other guests like that too whenever Dylan Hales is on with oh yeah uh, Dylan can't be on as much as he used to because uh, he's Mr. uh, Independent Wrestling yeah that's Uh, and, you know, and whenever we get other, I mean, there are a lot of great guests that we've had on this show. Uh, Todd Martin. Al Getz is great. Todd, we had him once, and we need to get him back on again, but Al Getz is great. Uh, MLJ is always fun to be on with us. Uh, Bruce Mitchell is always a great guest. Uh, we got a lot of great guests. Joe Sposto, this Dave Frazak, of course. Oh, you, we can't leave out Dave Frazak. Um yeah. Jordan Green, always, uh, you know, got to get him back on again soon. So. Yeah, Makabe on um, last week. Yeah, I mean, I think that Mike's above EB. We got so many great guests. There's never been a bad guest on Between the Sheets. That's one thing I can say of all the shows we've done, and not every week has a guest. Right. But uh, every guest we've had has been a good guest. I've never, 
said after the show that uh, I wasn't pleased with how that went. Yeah, because everyone brings a different perspective to the table, too. When you go into doing a Between the Sheets, you're the guide. And, like, like it was a great example listening to Daniel Makabe tweet, like, listen, listen to him, like, do, like, DVD, DVD VR stories and all this stuff. And he didn't remember everything, but, but it was, like, great insight. Well, the fact, that, the fact is that, you know, I found out, you know, who he actually was. Uh, right before we started recording the show, and I've been knowing that guy for 20 years. And I mean, when I found out what his, his shoot name was, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> and I like the rewatch aspect of it too. Like, like sometimes when I listen to Between the Sheets, I'll go back and rewatch that edition of World Championship Wrestling that's on the network or on YouTube and, and see what. Yeah. And. You can see what actually went on, and r- wrestling is just a beautiful thing, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, God, I wouldn't be watching as long as I had been if it was. And even, and even some of the bad stuff. But, I mean, WCW had a lot of bad stuff over the years. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> bad in an endearing way. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's some stuff that, I mean, like you watch some, some of the ECW from the latter era. Oh yeah. It's cringeworthy. But WCW just has, I don't know, just an endearing thing for me that no matter how much I know this stuff sucks sometimes, it's still WCW. It's WCW everybody. I mean, what do you expect? WCW everybody. Speaking of one, two, three, WCW everybody. Favorite favorite WCW everybody moments. Yeah, there is. I know. We could go like 45 uh, minutes on this question. <laughs> I think one of my favorites is uh, when it, and it's happened more than once, uh, when they had to cancel center stage tapings and nobody knew about it. <laughs> like there's a line outside and like, oh, center stage is like, oh, we're close. <laughs> Like you can't do that this crap anymore, and it's like, oh my god! Like Grand Honor does it now, and you're like, this is bad. WCW has this endearing quality to it, like, like it's like, okay, it's WCW. We'll excuse it. <laughs> It's a recurring theme. Than any other company. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, it's easy to mislabel a tape, but <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. the amount yeah. of times. Wrestling and then figuring out halfway through the show, I was like, oh, we'll just keep playing. We'll, we'll keep watching this. 
It's, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty ridiculous. Especially, uh, it, you know, like I said, like I said on the show, it is what it is. Yup, and you say it all the time too, and it's like, yeah, yeah. You, 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 like some of the shows had me dying laughing. It, it's like, it's like almost like, okay, <laughs> I need to calm down because this. This this uh thing is like really just not just having me die right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's almost like that where you can tell that we're like down the show too. Um, there's been moments with Dave Razak that we've had that. Bo James has had. Oh, that. the most famous one. Um, the high spots. Rob Viper and uh, what's his. Rob Bahari and what's his other name? What's his friend's name from Calgary? Uh, uh, Robert O'Connor. Robert O'Connor. That episode, I swear to God, I listened to it three times because I'm like, dude, I can't believe he's saying after the crap he's saying. And I'm like, oh, goes to Keone's. And you can follow him on Twitter. He, he, he's an he's a absolute joy. And, and, I messaged him after the show. I'm like, I wasn't expecting you to be this good, but you are this good. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's definitely an eccentric character, to say the least. And uh, <laughs> he's somebody that we gotta get on back into. We just gotta get the right. Make sure we have the right topic for, for him because he's, he he definitely uh, he has his opinions and he's something else now. I love O'Connor, and we were told that. Once you have O'Connor on, I mean, it's, it's going to be something else. And it definitely was. And, um, yeah. What, by Viper? There's, there's different type of guests that we have that are just so, you know, different and different types of guests, you know. And, and Rob Bahari, kind of, I love Rob Bahari for years. And um, he's a great guest as well. Yeah, Joey freaking Janela on. <laughs> Joey Janela, yeah, Joey's a... And we're going to get Joey back on again in the future, too. Joey's a great guest. Uh, he's a, a fan like all of us was. You know, he's younger, though, than me and Bix, at least. But How old is Bix? He sounds young. And uh, he's, he was a great guest. And I would, you know, wish we would have had him for more of the show, but he's a busy man, everybody knows. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, we're going to try to get more great guests and more you know, different guests in the future. And... Uh, yeah, we're just going to keep going as long as we can. How old is Bex? Bex is... He sounds young on the show. That's why I well, wonder. He's, he's, all, he's always young to me. I mean, basically, because I've been known since he was a kid. He's a teenager. Right, because he was calling into the Yana shows, right? Well, Bex, I mean, when I first had a conversation with Bex, he was 16. So Bex is basically 35 this year. You're make I you're making me feel old because I'm 23. <laughs> yeah, um, it's been a while since I've been, since I've been 23. <laughs> you're. Uh, but yeah, but Bigs, uh, yeah, Bigs will be 35 this year, so. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's like you. He's always seen, you know, he's always just seen the same age to me. And when I, and when I saw him on the Hogan documentary, I'm like, dude, I did not expect him to look like that. <laughs> Well, you never know what people look like. I mean, no. Online is, sometimes, sometimes you can 
to get a grasp and be correct, but you know, sometimes you can. I mean, there are a lot of people I've met from the online community where I met them on, so well, well, I didn't have never seen a picture before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, when I first saw Joe Lanza, I'm like, yeah, that's Joe Lanza, you know? <laughs> um, some of us like anonymity, too, like myself. Yeah. So, I would recognize your voice, of course, but... but yeah, but I mean, I, I, I like, I'm like, you know, I'm just, that's just not me. I don't like putting my photos out there for, for various reasons. Uh, I mean... I, yeah, you just want to go to work in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, you just want to go to work in the morning and and not be bothered at the grocery store because that would be annoying, wouldn't it be? Like if everyone knew who you were. I mean, I, I do have friends that I that I work around, not work with specifically, that have listened, uh, but they make friends because they saw it on Facebook, right? Like that. But yeah, I mean, I kind of want to keep you know my, my private life and. Internet life a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're sort of blurred for me because I I'm in the bit business. I, I'm at the Monster Factory, so it's like you have to promote yourself. You have to show your photo out there. But with you, it's it's like more like private and like the way it it's done. Um, we sort of touched on this when we were talking beforehand. Uh, which shows are most meaningful to you? What topics really tickle your fancy when it comes to Between the Sheets? 80 shows are always the best shows because that's, I mean, that, that's what I grew up with. That's my childhood. Um, early 90s, Paul Netline, too. Those, those shows always have a near and dear place to me because of, I mean, that's just, that's when I grew up. Right. Um, play, play great clips and stuff like that and just, there was so much great wrestling around the country that there was all these other promotions that were still around. And the world, too, so, because of Japan. World, yeah, and Japan as well. Um, those are always great. Um, hmm. I mean, any time that we cover... Uh, USWA! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I wanted you to do that. <laughs> Every time that we uh, have some Corey Macklin clips, of course, Corey Macklin uh, announced it for USWA in the 90s. Anytime we have that stuff, is always good. And, uh, and your impression of him is spot on. <laughs> it, I mean, I, <laughs> well, it, sometimes I, I do it better than others, but... Uh, if I don't have any sickness or anything, but uh, I mean, those are always great. You, I mean, USWA clips is great, Smokey clips is great. I mean, the mid '90s, you know, with those promotions, and ECW when it was at its best, like '95, '96. Yeah, those that that era is always fun to cover. Um, and I in 2000 in the in the uh, well, we haven't done a lot of those shows because. They are very long, but you know the, the early 2000 U.S. indie scene is always great. Oh yeah, I, mean, I was I, I was such a big part, you know, being part, such a big part of that boom with the Dead Valley Driver guys, and we were you know not to you know pat ourselves on the back, but we were the driving force. We were kind of like pacemakers at the time, you know that that board and you know putting that, that stuff out there and being a part of it, knowing guys that was in the business then. Just, 
friends of mine and stuff like that, being able to talk about that to a generation that was very young when those shows were going on, because you look at it now, I mean, Ring of Honor is now 17 years old. Yeah. That's amazing to think about. Ring of uh, Honor is a teenager. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's almost old, you know, almost old to vote. So, I mean, you, you look at, you know, that's just been now so long ago that people listen to the show, and I know this from interacting on Twitter, that there's people that weren't even born yet. I mean, we have listeners that are under the age of 18 that, you know, that, that weren't born yet that's finding out about this stuff, and... This is why wrestling history needs to be alive. I'm going to get on a diatribe right now. Um, this is why wrestling history needs to be alive and the actual history of the business, not what WWE wants it to be mold. Because... Well, they do a great job of what they do, but you got, you, you, you got to take the full, you know, story. You can't just go... You can't take everything that they say as a cop. No! And you can't take everything that Dave... You watch it, you watch it, you enjoy it, but... You know, you just can't believe everything. And but you, the wrestling business. So the wrestling right, business the wrestling business is, is full of carnies. So, I mean, and it's so like, you can't take anybody at total face value, like Dave Meltzer or Wade Keller or Steve Beverly or yeah, Brian Last. And that's nothing until we've on the show is, I mean, that's, nobody's perfect. And a lot of these guys that write newsletters, they have friends in the business and they go work by them. <laughs> They would get worked by their friends, and they and, and they would get a partial part of the story, and not get the full story. Do you think Dave got the bad rap? You think Dave specifically got the bad rap? Um, now or forever? Both. Um, because I think I say, I say forever, yes. I say now he's done a lot of he's done a lot of things to warrant yes the criticism he gets now. But, uh, all times, yes, absolutely. Dave Meltzer's a huge, important cog in this business. Has been for many years. Um, and I was arguing... In a lot of ways. And I was arguing this with people that don't really know. And I listen to Between the Sheets every week. I'm immersed in 605. I'm immersed with Brian Last and that whole community. That what Dave does... Even though you might not agree with everything he says, like the apparent sexism or this or that or any anything like that, and I have several questions about this. Is like, is like, it's different. It's different than what a Bill After was. Bill After's universally loved. He's from my area, um, and he's not necessarily universally loved. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you you know what I mean, though. But people in the biz. Mags, quote unquote, were an important part of a lot, a lot of people's childhoods. Absolutely, and then they look back fondly at people like Bill Aston, for sure. Yeah, and Stanley Weston. Um, I'm not saying, and no one can be universally loved, not even God. <laughs> um, yeah, but at the same time, you you look at the way Dave's treated to the way Bill is treated, um, and the way Wade's treated. In comparison to the way Dave treated and stuff like that, I have several questions on that because I I, I find it holistically interesting. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Dave. 
got to remember, Dave's a guy who is now uh, 60. Yeah. He's he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's my dad's age. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's been doing it forever. I mean, he's been he's been riding stuff since the early 70s. Right. So I mean, he's I mean, he's getting close to 50 years of being, you know, around in wrestling fandom. Um so the, the fact that he's been at this long is, is, is a definite credit to Dave. Yes. It, and without Dave, there's no between the sheets. Right. I, and, I said that. And we know that. And without Dave, without Dave and Wade, there's no between the sheets. So, I mean, we owe our any success that we have today. <laughs> I mean, Dave and Wade, I mean, and Steve Beverly and other people too that have written newsletters, but I mean, without them, we have no show. Right. So... Right, and... You know, I mean, I mean, everybody... Dave has... Like I said, Dave has his faults, and everybody does. Yeah, and everybody does. And that's why I give him a little more slack than some other people, um, honestly, because... And, and, we can't, and we can't blame Dave for the... I mean, yeah, he, he has his thoughts and stuff he puts out there, but, I mean, he has some sycophants that kind of make it all worse, too. Yeah! I mean, but that, but that's expected. Yeah. People, you know, that, that have, you know what Dave has as far as like um, the penetration and stuff like that right and the sycophant actually make it worse you know what yeah. I you know what I mean the people who f- fixate on everything Dave says and I'm like don't do that you're gonna freaking kill yourself doing that yeah but my first question for you, we, I've gotten, we gotten into a lot of great conversations here, and I, I'm loving this right now. How has the newsletter game evolved from, like, the, say, 1970s, 1980s to now? Is it the advent of the internet is the thing that changed the course of wrestling Absolutely. forever? Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a huge factor in it. Um, it's hard to do 80s shows because, you know, a lot... The 80s shows, there's not a lot of hard news, especially in the early Observer. Oh, yeah. Observer started, I mean, the Observer was a fan thing. You know, they a fan newsletter for, for years. And so Dave finally started getting, you know, sources in the business that would give him information. And then it became more of a newsy thing. I'd say when Dave started writing for the National uh, in 90, the uh, daily uh, sports paper that came out, that was Frank DeFords. And once he wrote the wrestling, he wrote a weekly wrestling column in there. He got that credibility then, and then that that started it. And then the uh, the Vincent and steroids situation, the trial, and all this stuff came out. That's what really you know set him up to be the guy. Right. But when it comes to wrestling, um, was that right there? So we're looking at '92. So that definitely was part of it. I mean. The, 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 the late 80s, early 90s in the newsletters is, you know, that the beginning of it. And the 90s, as it went along, was that was a true heyday. And now the thing is, what's changed so much in the last 10 years or so is that social media becoming as big as it did. Now the, the actual wrestlers and the promotion themselves can control the information. Oh, yeah. And they'll play. They can break the news. They could come out and they have their voice out there saying this is false or this is not the real thing that's going on. And it's allowed them to contradict or to 
Um, do you feel like WWE doesn't do that enough? Um. Because they can really control the narrative, and they, in my opinion, hasn't. reporters in the business now than you can from the reporters in the business. Right. Uh, because there are multiple people online that talk regularly to W talent and word gets out there on Twitter, especially through like the you know, DMs or just getting out there on Twitter on Twitter. However, that the information's out there in that way and the newsletters hasn't has reported on it or whatever. Um, and there's some like Mike Johnson still has pretty good sources in the company. Sean Ross Sapp is probably the best. Yeah, I was going to mention him. What's going on in, in, in WWE? I mean, Sean Ross Sapp is pretty plugged in. He's one of the new breed of uh, wrestling journalists out there. And uh, I'm a big Sean Ross Sapp guy. I really enjoy him, and he's really good at what he does. So, I mean, he's one of the new breed out there with Fightful.com. Um, so, definitely check him out there. And um, Yeah, it's Fightful, good friends of the show. There's more people that's in it now. It's not just a two-horse race with Dave and Wade. No. Nah. Uh, you know? How did Mike Johnson get his start? I'm just wondering. What's that? How did Mike get his start? Mike. Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Mike, God, Mike was, Mike's been around for a long time. Uh, Mike was around with OneWrestling.com. Uh, that's when he first got out there with Bob Ryder and Dave Shearer. Still writes with uh, Michael PWN Insider. PWN Insider broke off of one wrestling, and uh, yeah, he's been doing it for years. Mike was an ECW guy, right? You know, really got really made it pay, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been in it for over twenty years now. So yeah, it's amazing like how these people age, and then you see the new breed, and there's sort of a reluctance almost to like see say. Say Sean Wasap, there's like, oh, look at this guy, you know, you know, he's he's not doing it right, you know, but he is doing it right. And Sean's a stand-up guy. Yeah, he's a young guy in his early twenties. I mean, he's definitely um, carving a niche for himself in the, in, the, in the new wrestling media. How do you feel the wrestling media is treated? How do you feel the wrestling media is treated? Not well. Um, by wrestling fans in general? Um, yeah. <laughs> Generalization. They pretty much see through them now. Um, because the thing is, a lot of your established wrestling media have let their personal feelings get ahead of their ass to report. And I think that's a problem. Favorites, the people you don't like. But I mean, that's the difference. Although I, I, 
let's be honest. I mean, real media these days has pretty much become that way too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all your political media is all about pushing, uh, pushing their narratives they want to push for whatever they feel. So there's, there's nobody really. There's no escaping it. That's pushing real journalism, quote unquote. I mean, Sean Rastap again does that. And I'm, I know I'm really saying his name a lot, but he, he really does the best job at probably doing that. Where you don't see a real bias and stuff he puts out there, and but that's that's the like I said that's the world today. Yeah, for sure is you don't have nobody that's like I said pushing their narratives out there to try to report stuff as facts. Right, and and like the way like, and I know Bix has gotten on a lot of diatribes about this. Like, well, you know, he's biased too. Thing, and that's him, you know. And I do too, but I'm not a I'm not a reporter. <laughs> and this is Colin as well. I mean, he he's kind of different in that way. So he he has more leeway and and feeling the way he does and saying the stuff that he does because of that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I if you're going to be a quote unquote real reporter. You know, you just gotta be careful, I think. You know how you handle it. Yeah, and it's sort of like you feel differently about everything, and it—it's a murky line. It really is a murky line. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, how has Dave Meltzer, Wade Keller, Steve Beverly? Bruce Mitchell and the fan club newsletters changed the way wrestling was viewed. Well, you get to see it from a different light than you would have from uh, the magazines. The magazines were all, you know, about pushing the, the the work part of it, the narrative part of it, or creating their own stories, manufacturing stuff. Um, for some magazines, that's their job. Um, the newsletters to sell newsletters, they need to get out there and have news. (laughs) And if you don't have the news that people want to read, then you're not going to be successful. Right. So they're getting out there and doing what they got to do to get it out there. It's like any other type of publication. You know, you got to, you got to have the goods to appeal to your, to your public, to your consumers. And if you don't come through with it, then they're not going to be supporting you much longer. Right. Because, I know somebody who runs wrestling news source, um, dot com, and it's like, like we just gotta keep pumping out, pumping out. Like the daily DDT is the same way. Like, let's say I'm involved with, and I'm like, guys, it's not that serious. <laughs> well, here's another thing. That that goes to another thing that's really changed about the. The business. You got a lot of these websites that are out there. That I mean, they are more aggreg- aggregators than anything else. Yeah. I mean, they're taking stuff from other places and they're putting it out there, and that's where people are getting it. getting it. Is they're getting it through them instead of getting it directly from the source. Which, hey, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to hustle. But I mean, I'd rather get it directly from the source, personally. Yeah, me too. I mean, it is what it is. So I mean, I'd rather just get it directly from the source. And not have to go through, you know, whatever you might go through to get it. Yes. So, 
So this is the major question. Uh, do you think the God status of Dave Meltzer has gotten annoying or... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success condescending to people. How do you feel about Dave responding to every Joe Schmo on Twitter who doesn't know better? What does Dave have to do to gain the reference he once had? Well, Dave... Dave's Twitter is Dave Twitter. Um, Dave has kind of like a Twitter gimmick he basically does. Yeah. Now. And I, I don't know why, you know why he always does what he does. Uh, that's him. Uh, it can get annoying at times, but again, that's his Twitter thing. So if, if you don't want to, you don't want to see it, then that's not following. Mute him. him or do whatever, you know. That's why I look at it. I mean, he, he's going to do what he does. Uh, regarding God's status, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he is the guy for that's been the guy for wrestling information for all these years, and there are a lot of people that take what he says as the gospel. Right. Right? Well, maybe maybe not. I don't know. But, I mean, it just... People are going to do what they're going to do. Um, right. And me and John, I had John McAdam on yesterday. John's a great guy. Um, and oh, yeah, he's... Yeah, the great 80 series. Um, and he's like, he's seen people mentally break down in front of Dave. <laughs> and I'm like... I'm like, how does Dave handle it? <laughs> I, I I have no idea without him. Everybody, you know, he, he, Dave is considered, he's a, uh, he's a celebrity in his own way. And there are people that have reactions to celebrities. So I can understand it in that way. It is kind of odd, but I can understand it that way. Looking at it from that direction. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never met Dave personally. Hopefully one day I will get to meet Dave personally. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely interesting. That's uh, that would be an interesting meeting of the mind, <laughs> to say the <laughs> I mean, least. I've spoke, spoke with him in, you know, online many times. I've never had a phone conversation with him. And, uh, you know, I would like to try to get him on between, between the sheets or, or that, 
may not be as likely these days, but at least I saw Bad Street. So. Yeah, they. Um, what are the main differences between Meltzer and Keller, and to a lesser extent, Matt Alvarez and Mitchell? You've noticed through the years. Yeah, I noticed that. I really noticed that. He's definitely got more vocal in recent times, but um, well, again, Wade was more measured. Wade would have a different approach. He had his own different set of sources that nobody else had. So you know, he had no matter <coughs> there. So he had he had things that Dave didn't have, and Dave is just Dave. Dave been Dave the same way for all these years. And, you know, you read him. You read them in the 80s, you read them in the 90s, you read them in 2000, you read them in, in, in 2010, the themes. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's, that's very similar there, just the way he is. I mean, he, there's been a few changes here and there, but he's pretty much the same type of guy. Right. So, um, yeah, that's about the only thing I can really say on that one. What has Vince's relationship been with the newsletters? I think you've well, covered that enough. Gone. with Dave and Wade. He's had bad relationships with Dave and Wade. Uh, there was a time when Dave was actually I'm going to say on the payroll but I mean he was working as kind of a consultant in the UFA 90. Um, they, had, they, had, they had the big meeting at Titan Towers in 91 you know, where he brought Dave, Dave in, Wade in, other members of the wrestling media in, and um, had a meeting there. I mean it's just it's Lately, it's been more rocky than other times, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Especially with the digs at, uh, Coachman. Yeah, Vince, you don't know what you're going to get with him, so, you know, that's about it. What about the other wrestlers and the other talent and the newsletters? Well, I mean, there was a time here when that was definitely a, 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 a big thing. Pillman. Brian Pillman was, was tight with everybody. Eddie Gilbert was probably the tightest out of anybody with those guys. I mean, he, Eddie, because Eddie grew up in that business. Eddie was a fanzine guy. Eddie was a magazine guy. I mean, if Eddie would never become a wrestler, that's probably what he would have done. Uh, he was a photographer. He did stuff like that. He wrote stuff up. Uh, so Gilbert had that. Cornette had that. Um, those guys that were coming from that that were friends with, with all these people before they were actually in the business. So you, you had those relationships going on. Um, Chris Jericho has always been tight with Dave. Uh, Wade, of course, had Jericho as well. Sean Waltman. Um, a lot of other guys in, in that Minnesota area. Yeah. So, 
wrestlers have had good relationship with the newsletters on up the years. And, of course, that's the thing with Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson, at one point in time, was, was getting all the big WWE stuff more than anybody else was because all the ex-indie guys, you know, had come into the company that he had been friendly with and, and stuff like that that I'd known that had talked to, he was able to get information from them. DW so, Spyware. <laughs> I just had to I mean, make that joke. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely helps to, to have those people in the know to feed you information. Yeah, and PW spyware. <laughs> we had to make that joke. Well, I never, I never had to deal with that. <laughs> I mean, I've gone, I've gone there, but at least I, you know my computer is pretty strong with uh, antivirus. So I never had to deal with that. No, I think I, I had one incident with PW Insider. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah. Back in like my early fandom days. Um, yeah, it, it's really weird. Um, like how, how everything, like different people are different, are differently tight with the newsletters, like writers, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And it's always interesting to see what information gets out. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes, uh, stuff gets out there and sometimes, uh, stuff gets, uh, hidden in secret, uh, the perfect example of it uh, is recently is uh, my friend Stokely Hathaway. Uh, when, he, when they announced he got signed by WWE. No one saw that coming. Yeah, he didn't tell anybody. That stuff was very tight-lipped. And uh, when they got out there, I was like, whoa. I mean, came out of nowhere because, you know, uh, I mean, even people that knew Stokely well was like, wow, I mean, we, didn't, we didn't know this was coming. And that's very rare these days in wrestling. Something to not get out there like that. Because, like, the whole February signing class was out before they announced it. Oh, yeah, I mean, God, I mean, I, I, I knew what people signed. Oh, I knew, I, I knew Nick Camarado was signed a year ago. <laughs> like, literally. Literally. That stuff gets out there more now than it's ever been. Yeah, you know, and. Like I said, Twitter being like it is, Facebook being like it is. There's more of a direct contact between people that are not in the media business or just whatever with people that are, are working, working as like independent guys, talent, and they build a relationship there, and then they move up or whatever, and they, you know. That's where dark wrestling Twitter comes. Yeah, stuff just gets out there. Yeah, and you don't even have to be on dark wrestling Twitter. Yeah, but you know, get out there eventually, you know. It does. It always finds its way. Yes. Um, is there a week that that you that it's even been requested that you would not do for any reason? Maybe I got this question because remember I had a Patreon Q and A. Um, I asked about the Benoit situation and your memories behind that. I don't think you would cover that week. Is there like a no go week? That, there's not a week I wouldn't do. We did Owen Hart. Right. Uh, that was a tough, I mean, that was a tough, the, probably the toughest week to do. Uh, Louis Nicole's death was another one. That was a tough week to do because that hit people hard. Um, stuff like that, I mean, those, when, you, when, you, when, you, when your main story is a tragedy, 
and that those are going to be the toughest ones to do in that way. Um, yeah, we haven't done the Benoit stuff yet, and um, I know we'll have to do it eventually. But uh, I mean, there's nothing I won't say no to. Right. As far as a week goes, let's do it. I mean, if we, if we stay, tr- I mean, we're staying true to our show. We have to do every week that we can, and until you know whatever, until we can't do no more. So we can't skip nothing. That, that would be depriving our listeners of something that needs to be heard. Um. So, what have you? I mean, just because just because it's bad doesn't mean it's that we can, you know, erase it from history. I mean, it's, it's part of history. It has to be out there for people to know and understand. Right. You know, what was the thought process at the time? What was, you know, people need to know. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that anomaly of, like, like even though this was bad and it's going to be painful to go through, like, this needs to be out there because... Somebody might do it again. Well, hope not, but you never know. I mean, and it goes. I mean, stuff like that goes on every day a lot too. But yeah, hopefully, then we'll have that won't happen in wrestling. Right. As a fan, what is your advice for reading into what Dave and Wade say, or any other newsletter writer? Is there an exact science behind it? Speechless. Speechless. I re- rendered Chris Zellner speechless. Um, like, you've been reading these newsletters for many years, and you've been, like, yeah. like y- you read into what they say all the time. Like, yeah. read between the lines sort of stuff. And you have to do it with Dave, because Dave will leave a nugget of information out. You know what I'm saying? stuff in there that you definitely are just kind of vague and for a reason and stuff that could be out there that you, like you said, we would a lot, for sure. So, you, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of... A science. Yeah, you kind of have to, when you do enough of it, you, you'll, you'll understand. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be... What have you learned from uncovering some of wrestling's greatest mystery, mysterious factoids and mysteries? Was that an intention on your guys' part, or is it something that just happens? A lot of stuff just happens. Um, like that Paul Heyman, Eddie Gilbert stuff. That was enthralling radio right there. Well, the, 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 um, that was. Uh, probably the biggest one, though, was the, uh, when we did the Global Patreon show. Oh, yeah, I remember. On a lark, just fighting, doing research on all these names that were involved, and finding out this stuff through um, the state of Georgia business websites. We were uncovering stuff and uncovering connections there. I mean, that's good stuff. I mean, I mean that's stuff that's not that's not planned. It's all it's off the cuff, you know. And we've had a, a few of those things. Um, and it's Bix's nature to ask questions. That's something that I always enjoy about Between the Sheets. 
too. Bix always has a question, and it's like, I don't know. Let's look. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you, I mean, I know people are like, oh, you use Google during the show, stuff like that. Well, sometimes you need to, to do the research on the show while you're doing the show to uh, find out the information you need to find. That stuff never bothered me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's what it, what, part of what we do. We can plan out so much, but sometimes things happen spontaneously. Yeah, and it's sort of like, it's a mismatch of things. Like, that that global show, I remember listening to that, I'm like, what did they just uncover? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? A lot of great information on that show. That's one of our, that's some of our best stuff, is the Patreon shows. And, uh, I've said that about a lot of our Patreon shows, and man, it costs five dollars a month. Be on the Patreon.com slash Sheets, and I say that we put out shows that are worth that money. Yes, because it is worth it. I, I have subscribed in the Patreon in the past, and it's something where you learn something that you weren't looking to learn, but like it's sort of like when you did the expansion shows, it was like. Like the mafia connections. Yeah, that was Japanese. Yeah, the, the Japanese stuff, yeah. And, yeah. man, the mafia and the wrestling. What a history that is. Well, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's Japan, you know, for many years. U.S. had that go on way back in the day, but, I mean, that, that stuff in, in Japan still goes on today. So, yeah. Yakuza definitely has their hands in it, for sure. What lessons should wrestlers, promoter, promoters, promotions, and fans should learn from listening to Between the Sheets? Um, don't repeat the mistakes other people made. You need to go back and listen. You know, um, the history repeats itself, and it has a lot of times. Go back and listen and learn and figure out, hey, we don't need to go this way. We don't need to do what they did. Yeah. Whoever, or New Japan. And there were a lot of mistakes made, and yeah, that's true. Even during WWE's best year, two thousand, and it's something something that struck me is like. They're on the stock market, and they were only making sixteen dollars a share in two thousand. Right now, they're at ninety three dollars a share. Yeah, and uh, it's at its worst. Time, different time and place. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of things are different now than it was then. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's honestly incredible to see, um, like, what goes into, um, um stuff um you know and it's it's incredible it's just incredible the fountain of information we have now yeah because i can pull up all japan pro wrestling from 1993 up on youtube and watch that and share that i i showed somebody the 03 masawa kobashi match for the first time um that they ever saw and they're like jaw jacked And there was a lot of great stuff in there. And then you, you, you look, 
and then you look. Like, something I covered, uh, was uncovered recently, the Knoxville Five. Even. Yeah, well, that's been around. Nobody has put it out there. Really? That's been around? Bo, Bo, Bo James had that for years. But never thought to say, this is an... He, he's known of it. Let's put it that way. No, he's not up here. He's the first one that brought that to us. Our attention. Yeah, and that. Before, 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 I mean, it, it had hit. It had hit a small, uh, small Facebook account, and we watched it. And then it was like a few days later when it started getting traction. And everybody else. And it's an incredible video, like Bob Roop, Bob Orton. What they were going to do was they were going to try to send that the Jim. They were sitting to Jim Crockett trying to force him to do something, and they were like. <laughs> right, right, because you're, you're exposing the business at that point when it yeah. didn't need to be exposed, and then Vince did what he did. Yeah. How different would wrestling be if the cat wasn't out of the bag before the internet, and then the internet exposed the bag? No, it would have been out there. People knew it. People knew what the deal was. They just right because of the exposes of the '30s. Right. Right, because of the exposés of the 30s and 40s and stuff like that. And, and like, when Madison Square Garden was selling out, like, McAdam was telling me, like, in the 50s with, like, these ethnic talents, um, and the newspapers were still, the English language newspapers were still doing digs at the, uh, at the, uh, the, the wrestling, you know, because of the exposés of 20 years earlier. Oh, yeah. I mean, wrestling goes in cycles anyway. So, you know, it's, it's going to be popular to the mainstream and it won't be popular to the mainstream. And then... It will be again. Know, it, it, just, it just comes back. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting to see all the cycles that wrestling has gone through. Like, I've been on it for some of its highs and some of its lows. Yeah. You know? Sometimes I have. Yeah, you were at... You were at, like, WCW, like, a lot during your days as a fan, right? Well, there was, a, in my area, a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of their shows were in Georgia, so it was, you know, easy to go to it. Right, what was that like? Like, going to, like, a Nitro 98, for instance. Uh, I mean, those are, those are interesting shows. Um, I mean, lots of stuff going on. The TV uh, tapings before that were extremely long. Oh, yeah. Uh, and in, the, in the early mid-90s. But, uh, yeah, it was just fun to go to and have, you know, it was a good time. And what, when you saw for wrestling for the first time, what was your first impression? because I was like five years old. I just remembered watching wrestling on television. Right. Um, don't remember... Who or what? I mean, I, yeah, it was George Championship Wrestling. That's what I... I mean, I remember more anything else, but... Uh, I, saw, I, I mean, my family was into it, so it just that's where it spawned from. Watching it with, You know, my dad was watching it, my brothers watched it, so that's just how I got into it, and that's how it's been ever since. Right, and... When you found out that it was fake or uh, fixed, um, 
It, it's one of those things like you're like, okay, you shrug it off. It didn't matter to me. It didn't matter. <laughs> like, you want to know how... I was young. I knew what it was. I never really. I wasn't one of these that really was gung ho and believing everything was real. You want to know how I found out? You. So before SmackDown, it, they were doing a wrestling block on my network TV. It, we, when SmackDown was on, like the former UPN, um, saying, um, my network TV, and they had the uh, Harley Race wrestling secrets exposed on. Before yeah. the match, before SmackDown. At, yeah, I remember, the, remember that, yeah. <laughs> with the stunt Grammy and the blade, and yeah. that's how I found out. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a lot, of, a lot of, like, kids found out, you know, in that time period. You know, those, those shows that were out there, because there were multiple versions of that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That stuff happens, what they, what they said. Are there any interesting behind-the-scenes tidbits from that show? I don't know, really. I've never really, uh... I mean, I watched it when it came out, and that's about it. That's the only experience I really have. I don't think we really talked about on our show much at all. We talked about one of them, but... The one on NBC. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't that much to it, so. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's just interesting. The one with Anthony Durante, Pitbull 2, Michael Modis, Harley Race as the Booker, Eddie Man, And then Eddie Mansfield had one in 1987. For the, the 2020 thing, of course, we talked about recently, which when you see John Stossel. Yeah, that was, that's always something that people look back on, you know, because that was the first big one in that era. And Dr. D is actually doing, like, bookings now and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he's, he's back on the scene, so... Yeah, he's had an interesting life. I mean, his life outside of wrestling is probably way more interesting than his wrestling life. The guy was a bounty hunter. Oh, <laughs> right. A real life bounty hunter. What? He would go, he re repo man, bounty hunted. I mean, he, he, he would go out and do some dangerous stuff. You know, he's still alive, so. Yeah. Because he could, in that business, he could very easily get killed. What was your first impression when you saw Ric Flair? And then you have a music collection too, like that spawns many decades. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta we gotta talk about this because I, I I host a show here on Monco called Hard and Heavy, where I play like the latest hard rock and then some classic rock, some stuff like that, and it's amazing how music has evolved. Like the wrestling business, you know, in a lot of ways too. It's like some stuff is hot and then some stuff, you know, goes away for a while. It's like, you know, and then the rock scene. Yeah. There's really, not, there's really not a rock scene as far as like mainstream music right now. So. Yeah. You know, there, is, there is a scene, but it's not mainstream. Exactly. You know, it's not like it used to be. Where it used to be dominated, you know, in a lot of ways. And then it's going to come back. MTV was in there. Payday, I mean, that was, you know, Rock was a huge force on there, but everything is 
so poppy and dance oriented now, then you know it will come and, back. And will it come back? Well, it did in the in the eighties because that rock scene kind of fell out of the mainstream in the late seventies with disco, but uh, it made us come back as the eighties went along. So as far as like pop stuff. So, I mean, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't consider, like, the Imagine Dragons rock because it's like, no. <laughs> it's, just, it's just different. I mean, it, there's so much hybrid music now. There's, I mean, it's, it's way different than what it used to be. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting to see all the uh, different personalities that have done wrestling and music, like Gene Oakland, um, Jimmy Hart. Fred Blassie. You had the WF wrestling albums and stuff like that, and other people being involved. Hard Slaughter had Thinking on theme song one time. I mean, just different people. Lou Albano uh, managing RBQ. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff over the years that wrestling and music have been involved with. And mutually. Like, wrestling, it's such a vast. Top, I call it the perfect am- amalgamation of, like, comedy, drama, music, everything. You get everything in wrestling, and that's what I truly love about it. Yeah, pretty much. You're right. Um, and it's sort of like, like, I, it's transcendent. And there's not many transcendent forms of entertainment that really catch my eye, but wrestling happened to catch my eye. If you know what I mean. And, um, I was thinking, like, 20 more minutes, maybe? Um, like, is there, like, what wrestlers made a strong first impression on you? Yeah. From uh, Man and PA, just the toughness that he exuded, and he was like the man's man. Um, Nikita Koloff being this Russian powerhouse. Um, guys like that, definitely. Um, the Horseman in general. Love the Horseman as a kid. Um, and uh, just other stuff. I love Ted DiBiase. Oh yeah, we were talking. We were talking about DiBiase and Savage, the house show program. Me and McAdam the other day um, on Sunday, and like, like you sort of could tell like DiBiase was working the gimmick when he was facing Savage in the WWF, but um, it, it it's really interesting to see all the weird house show programs that have happened over the years. Right. Uh, so when you watch him in, in Mid South UWF and wherever else, you know, he wrestles, you see a different Teddy Beyonce. And he, I mean, he was a tremendous performer. Um, I mean, this, 
the Russians I grew up see, I was lucky, you know, growing up in you know the Atlanta area, where I was able to have access to, you know, Joe Petticino's big wrestling block on Channel Thirty Six, and then other wrestling television shows all over television on Saturday and Sunday. So, I mean, wrestling was a huge part of my childhood because it was always on television on the weekends. Uh, wrestling, I mean, especially. You know, football wasn't this season. You know, I wasn't watching football or anything. Um, I was mainly just wrestling or whatever, you know, at a certain point in time. So, uh, what were those wrestling blocks like? Like, like. Well, I mean, it, start, it started out, you know, gradually. I mean, it was a couple of hours, and then it went to four hours, and then it went to six hours. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's. You're going from. From on that particular on the station, you're going from 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. of nothing but wrestling on Saturday night, and that's following a TBS two-hour show. Right. And, and then other shows that were randomly on in the morning, a morning or afternoon on other channels. So I mean, wrestling is just dominating your day in a lot of ways. You're seeing wrestling from around the world, you know, that really not a lot of people can get access to in other places. So. You know, I was able to watch Mid South. I was able to watch Continental. I was able to watch Memphis. I was able to watch Gentry Russell, Florida. I was able to watch at one time WC in Puerto Rico. Um, other random stuff. I mean, of course, Pro Wrestling This Week was on, and they spotlighted everybody. Right. You see Port, you see Calgary, you see Japan. You know, I mean, you see all kinds Mexico. of on, on those shows. Of course, World Class was on in the area. And, you know, I mean, we got to see basically everything. Every wrestling promotion I was able to have access to. AWA as well. Of course, so. Uh, EMLL. Yeah, it was. That started later. Uh, I, was able to start watch, I was able to start watching that in 89. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was. There was all kinds of wrestling I was, I was able to watch. Japan the same way. I had a Japanese stream in school that, had a, that would get tapes. So I would watch his tapes. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I w- I've been able to see everything, pretty much. So that's one good thing about being in this area, is, is having that exposure. What are some of your favorite angles? Flair, Dusty. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that went on there. That was just an ever, ever going thing. I mean, that went on for, for years. Uh, I'm trying to think of ones just people, I mean, would constantly talk about. I mean, Mid, Mid-South had a lot. Coal Miner's Glove. Coal Miner's Glove. Well, Doug and DiBiase, I mean, definitely a strong angle. Uh, you know, that's just in the South and all that stuff. Um... Bill Watson bearing the Russian flag. Always a great angle there. Uh, Memphis, God knows they had plenty of them over the years. Uh, Lawler making me drunk at his house. Uh, um, the Dean Lawler's town stuff. Lawler coming back with 
young referee Jeff Sherrigan a tab out those in the invited Landell. Um, kind of just so much. I mean, the Freebirds tournament of honor is a world class and it's been the you know, major business for years. Um, it's just it's a lot of them. You know, a lot of great angles. Of um, matches, too? Continental. Oh, God. Matches. I mean, there's so many. Right. A lot, a lot of great Japanese matches over the years. So, I mean, I can't say how many matches I've seen. Uh, I, mean, I think it's I, I think you can see like any amount of matches and it's like oh my god because I can't tell you it's in the thousands it's in the thousands it's probably in the hundreds of thousands with you yeah there's so many um like as a wrestling collector you, you and a wrestling preserver of history it's like almost second nature Where You're I a completist? Complete shows. Yeah. I, I'm not a guy that's real big. I mean, I, I have them and stuff like that, and I've got them, but I'm not a, like a compilation person. I like having full television shows and stuff, everything. I like to have the full grasp of everything I'm watching. Right. And that's always important just to get the full context. Yeah. I uh, mean, watching a match cold is okay, but... I mean, I'd rather know, I'd rather be seeing the promos and the angles, everything that's going on with it. That, that makes it what it is. I was going to ask you about Bill Watts. He is a major figure in wrestling history. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's a wrestler and a promoter. Um, some of the stuff is just wild with them. Like, some of the stuff you guys have uncovered specifically. With, like, the Torch Talks. Bill Watts is, uh, if you read his book, I mean, he is what he is. He's a, he's a genuine article. Um, he believes in what he says. He's walking tall. I mean, he is, he is Bill Watts. I mean, he's an alpha male. And, you know, he's apologized for a lot of stuff that he's done over the years, too. But he's still Bill Watts. Right. And, uh, he's a very interesting character, to say the least. Even to this day. Yes. Um, and to this day, it's like Billy Jack Haynes. Like, like oh, oh. Billy Jack Haynes. <laughs> he, I mean, uh, he's had a lot of issues in the past. He said stuff that could be true, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. That's one thing you got to be careful with a lot of these wrestlers. Right. Remember, there I mean, wrestlers are carnies. They're liars and stuff like that. So, yeah, they may be speaking truth, for sure, but you can't just take everything they say as God. My last question for you, Chris, before we get into the plug section of the show where we can plug everything that you do with all the great stuff, is how much longer do you envision doing this? <laughs> as long as I can. <laughs> as long as you're physically able? I'm mentally able. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, physically is one thing, mentally is the other thing. Um, yeah, well, you know, Vince can can uh, can do it without you know me trying to strangle him through the phone through the phone line sometimes. Uh, I bet that's happened several times. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, every 
good partnership. And they, you know, they have their uh, their times where they have disagreements and stuff, and that's just the way it is. I, you know, I, we we've had our spats off air and on air, and everything's all right in the end. So that's just the way it is. Right, every good partnership. These days, these days, don't do that. As soon as they have an argument or something like that, they're through with them and stuff like that. And and it's not the way life should be, you know. It's like I, I have learned. I've learned. We have disagreements, and we, and I have had people flat out not accept my apologies for things I said like two years ago, and it hurts me. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. To no end. Yeah, that that's what that's the attitude I've gotten now because it's like I let the stuff like because I have mental illness and stuff like that and and like I've let stuff get to me and I would explode and at people and I'm like I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, just don't worry about it, you know. You know. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it at all. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's like I. And that's what people keep telling me, and I, I have to just keep instilling it into my brain instead of holding grudges and stuff like that, because that that, that doesn't work with anybody, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, plugs, man. All right, uh, everything that I do, audio wise, is uh, on our SoundCloud page. Probably the easiest way to get to it is betweenthesheetspod.com. That's it straight there. Um, all the Between the Sheets episodes, the regular shows, Exile on Bad Street, everything is there. So you can go check it out there. Uh, uh, new shows every Monday for Between the Sheets. And uh, we got two, basically this week. Um, we have the main show, which is... Everything except the U.S. independence from 96 during uh, the week of March the 13th and the 19th. Uh, our dear friend Alan uh, Cunahan, Alan Farrell on Twitter. Yes, I love him. And uh, we talk about all kind of good stuff on there. And then Bo James, who we talked about before on the show, is on during the U.S. independence segment, which wasn't intended to be a song show, but it got that way. Yeah, so, it always does. So, uh... Definitely did a lot of storytelling, and because uh, he's pretty, he his actual promotion ran that way. And it's the first time we really have, co- have covered his promotion. So, so he had stories of booking and stuff like that, and everything. Yeah, I can't wait to lot, delve into it. And another hour and a half with you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at DJ D. Cooks Wrestle and DJ D. Cooks Music for my music stuff and my wrestling stuff. And keep up to date with me. You can follow me on Instagram at dcookiepunk43. I have had pictures of everything that I've done over the past few years. And 
It's always fun. And thank you all for listening. You, this is Meet the Press Slam, and you were listening to that on Monka Radio, where music and minds meet. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.